This is the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheiman, brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. All right, here we go. It is Midlife Mail Podcast time. Super excited for this week's show. I've got Mr. P.J. Nessler joining me. P.J. is the Director of Performance at XPT, Extreme Performance Training. If you are not familiar, check out xptlife.com and listen to the rest of this podcast because P.J. is going to fill you in on what XPT life is all about. And it is life. It's a lifestyle. Let me tell you a little bit about XPT, my experience with it. I got introduced to XPT through a buddy of mine named Justin Singer. He owns Mechanics Calisthenics down here in Houston, Texas. He is also a certified XPT coach. He introduced me to PJ when PJ was in town. We did some breath work together. We actually hung out uh, with Robert O'Neill, the Navy SEAL who took out Osama Bin Laden as well. Had some good times together. XPT was founded by Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. If you think about the quintessential midlife male, you got to talk about Laird Hamilton. Big wave surfer, father, husband, entrepreneur, risk taker, super fit guy, super spiritual guy, awesome stuff. Pick up his new book also. Uh, and check out more on Laird at xptlife.com. Let's talk a little bit about PJ too, because he's going to fill us in on XPT, his philosophy, what all this stuff means. He is a human performance specialist with over a decade of experience preparing top athletes for competition. His life mission is to help athletes, coaches, and guys like us realize the true potential. He's been a leader in sports performance training for years. He's done and worked with dozens of athletes from the NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, over 100 fighters, including multiple Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champions, top 10 ranked UFC fighters. He is out there raising the bar for fitness and lifestyle professionals. With XPT, let's talk about what he does. This is about pushing your body to readapt. This is a program that's rooted in dynamic stressors and human adaptation. The idea being to maintain a well-balanced body and mind. It's a lifestyle. If you want to get out there and go paddleboarding, go do it. If you want to swim underwater, holding dumbbells, go do it. The idea with XPT and what Laird Hamilton says is do not be a liability. Don't be a liability. Be flexible enough to be able to jump into any new activity presented to you and forget any limitations or negative construct holding you back. And that's how you live. Sustainable, longevity-based, performance-based fitness, the ability to get up and do what you need to do, when you need to do it, when you want to do it. It's about breathing. It's about moving. It's about recovering. So that being said, my personal regimen right now about me is a lot of XPT. Constantly mixing it up. Trying different things moving a little bit better, listening to my body, recovering a little smarter. As I get older, I start to realize what's most important. And that's feeling good, having fun, being able to do the things that I want to do. So let's get into this. XPT life, XPT lifestyle story learn a little bit more about it, and learn a little bit about PJ Nessler here on the Midlife Mail Podcast. Let's do the show. All right. It is Midlife Mail Podcast time. 
ecstatic to be joined today by PJ Nessler. He is the Director of Performance at XPT. You can go to xptlife.com, check it out. We will get into all of that. But first and foremost, PJ, thanks for being here today. I appreciate it, bud. Greg, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm excited about it. So last time we were together, um, we were on the roof of a parking structure here in Houston, Texas, and you were teaching me how to breathe effectively. Um, <laughs> so I just want to jump in and, and start with why is breathing or performance breathing so important? And then also, what are we doing wrong with our breathing? Sure. Yeah, well, I think breathing is so important in general because it, it's the foundation of life and, and everything that we do. And, it, and it, the way we breathe influences every system and every cell in the body. So if you just look at it from a prioritization standpoint, it's the most important element to our survival. Uh, you know, um, our co-founder, Laird Hamilton, loves to say, uh, you can live weeks without food, you can live days without water, you can only live minutes without breath. So breath is such an important concept, uh, excuse me, such an important element to our overall survival. Um, and it, it's mostly an automatic process that happens and uh, most people go through their entire lives without ever really thinking about how they're breathing unless something has disrupted that, like they ran up a flight of stairs or they have asthma or they're really sick. Outside of that, we pretty much do it unconsciously throughout the day. Uh, and that's how it should be. However, one of the things that I always talk about is <clears throat> our physiology uh, was designed to live a certain lifestyle and for a certain purpose. Our biology was designed around a certain lifestyle. And modern society has progressed through technology and convenience a lot faster than our physiology has. So many people like to, to make a joke about breathing when, when they hear that I teach people how to breathe and they say, you really need to teach people how to breathe. Isn't that something we've been doing our whole lives? I breathe every single day. Uh, and the reality is, you know, our biology is really designed to keep us alive, not to help us thrive. So if you're breathing, if you're currently alive, then yes, you're breathing. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily breathing in a way that's going to optimize your health, your performance, your longevity. It means that you're just simply doing enough to keep you alive. Um, and what happens in, through modern society and through sitting down in chairs all day long, through emotional traumas or experiences that we maybe had when we were younger, physical traumas, maybe we got kicked in the stomach or we ran into someone playing football, we bruised a rib, something that happened that changed the way that we breathe and changed our patterns. And nobody really teaches us how to do it the right way. We never really learn how to do it the right way. So what happens is we get these dysfunctional breathing patterns. And, and the more that I've learned about breathing, the more I've seen that the majority of people in modern society have breathing dysfunctions. Um, and so the reason I think it's so important and so crucial is, is so many people are out there seeking, not even seeking optimization. There's so many people that are just seeking to get out of dysfunction, whether that's being stressed or overwhelmed or just or physical ailments, just so many issues that people are, are suffering from and they're trying to just get back to neutral. And what happens is we go seek out all of these different uh, remedies. Maybe we go to the doctor and we get a medication. We go to a, the, the um, a specialist and we get a surgery or we, whoever we go to, there's some sort of specialty that they're going to apply to the symptom of this current problem that we have. And we don't really look holistically at what could be possibly either creating or underlying and exacerbating these issues that we're having. Um, and that's what I've seen so much in the breathing that because it is the root of, of life and because it is connected to every system and cell in the body, when we can optimize that system and get it out of dysfunction, we can see massive changes across the biggest spectrum in, in health and performance. Um, and that's why I think it's, it's something that I've latched onto so much because my background coming from sports performance, I was focused on how we can improve athletes' performance on the field. And that's where I spent the bulk of my career. And what I realized with the breathing is that it, it's so impactful to not only elite athletes, but also every other, 
person across the entire spectrum, from elite athletes and military operators to Grandma Betty and uh, young kids. So it's such an impactful thing, and that's why I think it's so important that we teach it to people. So if you're you're like me or even more, more like me where you weren't paying much attention to your breathing uh, at all, um, and even the concept of nasal breathing or knowing really how I was getting air in and what kind of the, the, the benefits of it or, or where I was costing myself, where would you start? You know, again, I know I started on a parking lot roof with, with you because I was invited to learn how to breathe and see how this could positively affect me and then ultimately incorporate it into, into my daily routine. But how do, how do people get started or where should they start on their own or with you or XBT? What's your advice there? The simplest way I tell people to get started with, with the, the breath in general <clears throat> is, number one, just developing an awareness of it. And that comes from what I usually start with is the breathing mechanics, the way that we breathe physically, because that's the easiest thing for people to see on themselves. And it's the easiest thing, not necessarily the easiest to correct, but it's the simplest to correct in the sense that you don't need an expert to watch you and help you. You can, with a few very simple uh, tips, you can assess how you're breathing throughout the day and you can look at uh, your breathing mechanics. And when you start to fix those things, it'll develop more awareness of, of your breath and it'll also start to transfer into some of the other elements of breathing, like the psychological influences of breath, which I think are so massively important. So what I always tell people to start off with, if I can only give them two pieces of advice, breathe through their nose as much as they possibly can. And the first thing that they're going to say is, well, what about this? Well, what about this? The answer is breathe through your nose as much as you possibly can. When you're working out, when you're walking around, when you, any time you can consciously focus on breathing through your nose, do it. Now, when they work, keep working with me, there will be more answers to the what ifs, and we can work through those. But if we have one tip to give them, they focus on breathing through your nose as much as they possibly can, that's going to lead to a snowball effect of a whole bunch of other really important things, really important processes in the body. Um, and then the second one is focus on breathing into the belly. So one of the biggest breathing dysfunctions we have is mouth breathing and over breathing, which is breathing more air than is necessary. And what happens is people start breathing in and out of the upper chest, which leads to this dysfunctional pattern, which leads to a, just a negative cascade of physiological and psychological effects. So if I teach people, the two, the two basic things I teach them is focusing on breathing through their nose, which will also help them to slow the breath down because a lot of us breathe way too fast and way too much. Slowing the breath down, breathing through the nose, and then focusing on breathing into the belly. And all that's going to do is get them out of this upper chest, dysfunctional, thoracic, sympathetic breathing pattern. Um, which, again, creates all of those physiological and psychological issues uh, that so many people face. Those two simple tips can, if people just took time to focus on those throughout the day, they could eradicate a whole bunch of issues, and at the minimum, they'll at least set a solid foundation that can then be built upon for step three, step four, step five. Mm -hmm. So back, backing up a little bit, um, how did you first, get into the business and talk to me a little bit about then your evolution and into XPT and embracing the concept uh, that, that XPT and you now work with all over the world and get into the specifics of that. Uh, yeah. So how I got into this industry in general. Mm -hmm. So my background is in, I've been an athlete my whole life and always been into fitness. So I, I've been into it reading about fitness and, exercise since I was 12 years old. Uh, and I actually went to school for business because I didn't think there was a career in the fitness industry. Um, and then I actually ended up playing football. Uh, I walked on the football team at the University of Rhode Island where I worked with the strength and conditioning coach and saw that there was a really cool um, field where you got to train athletes and it was a legitimate career. So I went, that was 2005 and I spent, I went full head first into that. I switched my major to kinesiology um, I was also studying psychology, so I ended up studying both of those, which played a um, played a role later in my career for sure. And I've been full force into that. I started 
volunteering at every opportunity I could where I could be around people who trained athletes and started working while I was in college, training athletes in private setting, you know, private gyms where they trained high school kids and and any opportunity I could to just train athletes. And Mm -hmm. uh, after college, I started working at the University of Rhode Island as a strength and conditioning coach with the sports teams there for a few years. Uh, Then I ended up coming out to California and working in the private sector in sports performance gyms like Velocity Sports Performance and a few others um, where our primary focus was training athletes from eight-year-old kids all the way up to uh, professional athletes in a variety of sports. And uh, I I spent a few years doing that. So I've been in this industry for 12 years now, um, and I had spent probably around six to seven years really just training athletes, and then I ended up getting promoted into management positions in these facilities where my role was now revolving around still training, but also leading a team of coaches and trainers and running internship programs um, and education programs to make sure everybody was doing things uh, under the same uh, curriculum structure, which was not existent uh, Mm -hmm. at any of the facilities I was at. So I'm somebody who has always seeked uh, systems and structure, and, and I was always looking for that to help me expedite my learning process because I was never someone who really could do, dive into a research study and, and understand it and be able to apply it well. Um, and so I, since I didn't have that at all in my career, I started building that in the places I was, the facilities I was in, uh, running internship programs, which then led to coaches' education. Um, and I worked my way up to becoming the regional director of a handful of performance facilities where I was responsible for overseeing the entire performance operations in multiple facilities. Um, and through that, I ended up really enjoying the education side. I, I enjoyed creating, taking the things I had learned in the seven years of my career training athletes uh, and being able to turn them into a systematic approach so that a new intern coming out of college could expedite the learning process and could hopefully get to where I was after seven or eight years of experience in his first or second year. Um, so I started teaching workshops and running education uh, and then I eventually left that company in 2017 to start my own company, which was geared solely on running mentorship programs and education for fitness professionals, um, coaches, and trainers. And six months down the road, I got approached by XPT, uh, who was looking for a performance director to come learn all of this really cool stuff they'd been doing with people for the past two, three years um, in their experiences and that Laird and Gabby have been doing for the past 10 or 20 years with their friends and, and family members uh, and to take that stuff and turn it into an educational curriculum that could be systematically broken down and taught to coaches, trainers, doctors, physical therapists. Um, so I just saw that as an, as an awesome opportunity to take the things that I've been doing and, and to have a much bigger impact on a wider scale. Um, and also, it was in an area that I wasn't necessarily an expert. Uh, My expertise was 10 years of training elite athletes, not necessarily focusing on breathing and recovery and and some of these other elements and, and especially not applying those to general fitness or elderly populations or all these other populations I hadn't worked with. So I saw it as a a huge growth opportunity for me. Absolutely. Let's talk about all that really cool stuff that, that is XPT. For those that are not familiar with exactly what XPT is, could you describe it and also what, what again, really attracted you to all that super cool stuff that, that XPT is? Yeah, XPT stands for Extreme Performance Training, and we really define that as uh, living, helping people to operate at the highest possible potential in all areas of life. So, uh, you know, extreme performance to us means being the absolute best you can be physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, emotionally, as a father, as a worker, in, in all of these areas, and, and trying to elevate performance in all of those areas, um, and not allowing what we call is a <clears throat> a um, Laird says, don't be a liability, which is a liability meaning somebody who has excelled in a certain area, but has allowed all other areas to fall apart. And therefore, that person 
is excellent in this one area, but they're a liability in all these other areas of their life. Um, so what for us, extreme performance or living an extreme performance lifestyle means ele- elevating all of these areas of your life to have this extreme um, <clears throat> balance instead of lowering things down to try to meet uh, where they're at. So that's really what XPT is about. And, you know, we're what we say is our, our mission is really trying to help people become the most versatile and resilient human beings possible. Uh, mm-hmm. And we do that physically, not only physically, but, you know, I think one of the things that attracted me to XPT when I first went was not the physicality of the things they were doing, because I, that's an, the physical space is an area I've spent my whole life. I've been an athlete my whole life. I've always been in combat sports and football and kickboxing and I've, I've always been somebody who latches onto the physicality of, of things. And that's something that always attracts me. Um, but when I got to XPT, it was something that pushed me so far out of my comfort zone mentally um, that I just saw a huge opportunity for growth. And I was somebody who thought I was at this mental point of my physical abilities and things I had done and then was pushed into these environments that threw me, you know, through the physical world threw me so far out of my comfort zone that I was forced to really reflect and look at, you know, kind of some beliefs I had of myself um, and then forced me to grow. And that was something within the first few times I tried out XPP that I was attracted to. And what I saw through the people who were the community that was built um, up at Laird and Gabby's house, I saw that there's, this was a group of people who were super successful in, in, from an outsider's perspective, they were all, celebrities and, uh, you know, people who are successful in, in a certain area of life, but they had a, a humility, a peace, a sense of peace and a sense of community that was something that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, mm-hmm. And that was what, would, what really attracted me to XPT. And that's, to be honest, why I am so passionate about it, because I, I tell people all the time, XPT has 100% changed my life and not in just my professional life, but in all other areas of my life, which I think are, mu- are much more important because in the professional space, that was an area I was already excelling. Um, but this was something that forced me to really look at a lot of other areas. So that's the overview of how I got attracted to XPT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously with, with the name extreme, you know, extreme performance training and XPT and the connotations that the word extreme has one of the things I've found is that the community and the process and what XPT does is so inclusive, though, and so inviting. Um, and while the extreme is in the name, the, the connotations or definition of extreme in the application of what you guys do is not intimidating in a way. Obviously, challenging in everything you do, but not intimidating in terms of do I need to be in shape to do this or am I going to be accepted or can I go to one of the retreats or experiences or even certifications on there? Uh, is is that accurate? You know, the thing that I, that's what I found is you know, particularly with guys, like what are we doing to take that first step? You know, are we scared off or do we not want to look you know, stupid in a group or are we going to be accepted or do I need to breathe out of my nose for six months before I can go even try to do this or be in the same room with you. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, honestly, one of the challenges we have because of the one, the name extreme performance. When I joined XPT, we had some, some serious conversations about changing the name because of the perception and because we wanted, you know, we understood that this stuff was so powerful. And honestly, I think it's arguably more powerful for average Joe than it is for elite, MMA fighter or military operator. And while Mm -hmm. it's super powerful for those people, they also have the resources and the people around them who can help optimize their performance. And they're really looking for that extra, the 1% that's going to make a difference at the very, very top. But average Joe is looking for the 50% that's going to get him from where he currently is living his life at 50% capacity and get him up into the 90%. So I think it's so I think it's so impactful for people like that. And that's why we redefined extreme performance and to make sure that we are getting that message out there because it's, it can be 
uh, intimidating to look at something called extreme performance. Look at the owner of the company, Laird Hamilton, surfing 100-foot waves. Gabby Reese, former professional volleyball player, model. You know, these, these two people who are kind of these fitness and, and uh, performance icons. And then you look at some of the videos and you see people underwater doing jumping underwater and sitting in ice baths. And you're like, wow, that, that is not for me. That's way too extreme. I don't even really exercise. You know, this is not the thing for me. And that's something that we, we make sure at every experience, we, you know, the first thing Gabby says is, is to help people understand that this is all about their journey. And, you know, the people who go work out at Laird's house are not all 25 year old athletes. Most of them are actually probably in their 50s and 60s. Some of them are, you know, Laird's best friend who, who just recently passed away was 84, 85. Um, they, you know, these people are not super elite athletes. They're just people who are looking, who are seeking growth and who are seeking mm-hmm. um, wh- whatever that next level is, you know, physically and emotionally, spiritually, all of those things. And that's why there's such an acceptance because really we don't care, you know, people who show up and and that's it. That's all you have to do to fit in is show up and be open-minded and be willing to to challenge yourself. Um, Regardless of if you end up swimming 15 laps in the pool without breathing or, you know, I I always give the example and I had a bunch of my, I trained fighters as my background. I had a bunch of fighters over to do some pool training one day and some ice baths. And one of the girls pulled me aside and she said she didn't want to do the pool training, but she wanted to do the ice bath. And I asked her why. And she said, you know, she's afraid of the pool. She had an experience when she was younger, a trauma where she almost drowned and she can't put her face underwater. So we ended up, I told her that I think the the pool is what she needs the most because that was the goal for this session was to push people out of their comfort zone and, and experience growth. It wasn't a physical workout we were going for, but although I was masking it as a physical workout, um, you know, we were seeking this growth through the physical session and at the end of the session, you know, all she did, I pulled her aside. I gave her something different to do. I had guys who were swimming two laps in the pool, carrying weights without breathing and, you know, compounding, doing these really advanced exercises. And all I had her doing was standing and putting her face in the water and then eventually walking a few steps with her face in the water. She never got to the point of actually swimming, but she got to the point of walking, I think, to the half the length of the pool with her face in the water. And by the end of that session, she left with a bigger feeling of accomplishment than anybody else in that group and wanted to keep coming back and doing it. And that's where, you know, I think the acceptance, it's such a big thing. And the rest of the group recognized the, where everybody was at. And and that's why I think, uh, again, it's so powerful and it builds a community of people that, that want to keep coming back and keep doing this, this type of things. Um, Mm -hmm. But really the, the methods, you know, people come to me and they want to know the, what are the physiological benefits of sitting in a 32 degree ice bath for seven minutes? And I'm like, honestly, if you're focused on that, you're missing the point. Like there is that. And I have, you know, we teach it in the certification. I have a two hour lecture on the physiology of ice baths, but if that's all you're focusing on, you're really missing the point. Can we drill it down also to just going on, on feel to a certain extent? Um, and I'll say just in my personal experience, I feel a whole hell of a lot better having now brought breath work into my daily life, having brought contrast therapy, and I want to talk about that a little bit in detail, into into my life, and also training into, in the pool. Um, but whether it was necessarily XPT or just the idea or self-awareness and open-mindedness to experience and to try different things based upon how your body and your mind respond, uh, how big a part, as you're saying, is that uh, you know, just in terms of, of what you do and with XBT? It's not necessarily just about the amount of time you can hold your breath again or, or sit in the cold. As you're saying, I think you know one of the best things I've gotten out of it I just feel better and you can tweak it to whatever manner makes you feel good. Is, is that okay? I guess what I'm asking you as, as a head guy there. Is that cool too? Yeah. 
I mean, that's exactly what we teach. And, and that's the challenge for me as the, the performance director is everybody who reaches out to me wants to know the system. They want to know the time and the duration and how many rounds you should do and how often you should do it. And I'm like, it, it really depends. And the hope is that you eventually get to that point where, you know, we help people reconnect and have a mindfulness of the way they feel because most people don't even know. Most people go, just go through life. They don't, they're not even aware of how foods make them feel or how exercise makes them feel. They just do things and just kind of go through life. And they're, they're not aware of certain muscles feeling a certain way. They're just, they don't have any of that connection to their body. And we're trying to help bring that back through a lot of different practices and, and um, things that are forced mindfulness. Because when you're underwater holding your breath or when you're in a 32 degree ice bath, there's not much else you can be thinking about except for the present moment. And that forced mindfulness then allows us to reconnect with our bodies and how we feel and also reconnect with our mind and how we can calm our mind, calm our thoughts and, and be in control of that whole space. And that's where I think people uh, like you just mentioned can transcend that stuff. And then, you know, the, the hope is, that you can just do things that make you feel better and you are aware of what makes you feel good and what makes you not feel good. And at the end of the day, and that's what Laird always says, if, if 20 research studies come out tomorrow saying that the ice bath is not doing the physical things we think it is, I'm not going to stop doing ice baths every day because I feel better. And it may be the open-mindedness and the willingness to explore all these different things that created a better feeling. But I agree with you. Personally, I feel physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, 100% better than I did two years ago before I joined XPT. Now, yeah. is that because I do ice baths once a week? Who knows? But I, I'm not, I don't really care because ultimately that's the end result I'm looking for is to feel better in all those areas. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I really identify with that, especially coming from a place a couple of years ago where physically uh, I was breaking down. And I had to take a good, hard look at what my body was, was feeling like, the way I was seeing a decrease, you know, in, decrease in performance, um, increased recovery times. If I was even recovering at all, I think it just got to a point where it was normal to just always kind of feel, feel broken down or excessively sore um, in there too. But I also don't want to miss, I think one really key component here that this is a lot of fun also. It's something that I thought, it's a lot of fun um, to train in the water. It's a lot of fun to try to get out of or push yourself a little bit outside your comfort zone and to see what you, what you can do and what you can't do. And you know, that's one of the, the big takeaways for me also in incorporating XBT into my protocol, regimen, what I do is, you know, when I wake up in the morning, what do I naturally gravitate towards? I want to gravitate towards the things that I enjoy doing and that are, that are fun. And this has been something that I look forward to doing each week um, to, different, to different extents. I mean, sure, I'll, I'll, miss a, I'll miss a contrast therapy, you know, or an ice bath session, or I'll miss a pool training session each week. But I think that's also part of the you know, part of life, and if you miss it, you know, get back on it or maybe double it the next week or kind of circle one of the retreats or experiences or things that I want to I wanna go to in the future to look forward to it as much for the, the people and the fun as the performance benefits as, as well. Uh, if you would, how often do you practice also what, what you preach? What's your, what's your routine? Yeah, and that's a great question because I think <clears throat> the answer can be really challenging uh, because it's so holistic. And, and that's why XTP is so challenging to teach people and to talk about and to systematize because it's really holistic. Somebody who goes to CrossFit three days a week, does some breath work maybe before they work out, you know, never sits down and does any focused breath work or meditation, never does any pool training, maybe jumps in an ice bath once a week. That person is living the XPT lifestyle according to our definition. Just like somebody who does yoga three times a week and also swims. You know, our, our goal 
overall is to help people become the most versatile and resilient human beings possible. So as long as that person is not just crossfitting seven days a week, and that's the only thing they do, and that's the only way they express themselves physically, and that and they're they're focused in these narrow, maybe two focuses, and that that's where we see a lot of people who are just beating themselves up in the gym, and then they're also people who go are type A go getters who just drive hard, and they try to go at 100 miles an hour uh, in the office as well, and those are a lot of people who come to XPT because by the time they're 40, they're like, shit, I can't do this anymore. I'm breaking down physically. I'm breaking down mentally. I got I to gotta find something else. And that's what they come to us for is to help uh, see that. So what I would say is I live the XBT lifestyle every single day. And one of the biggest things for me is getting – I had to get myself out of this mindset of training versus uh, other things. So for me, training meant I was beating myself up in the gym. I was in there for an hour, hour and a half. I was working out hard. I was pouring sweat. I was pushing heavy weights. I was throwing things. It had to be intense, and I had to leave the gym feeling like I beat the shit out of myself. Other workouts didn't really exist. It was like a recovery day if I did that, or I just would take that day off if I was too beat up. And for me now, one of the things that I've started to change is, is thinking about, like what again, what you said, what makes me feel better? So last week... Uh, before I le- or a week ago, I-, I went on vacation, and before I left, I was like, "Man, I'm not going to be training. I'm not going to be working out for probably a week. I'm just going to be doing activities." So I'm gonna on- before I leave Thursday, I'm gonna go to the gym and beat the or Friday. I was flying out Friday night at midnight. I want to go to the gym and just beat the crap out of myself for two hours and get a really good workout in because I have a whole week to recover. But I was stressed out from the week, beat it from working, trying to get all my projects done before I left, and. I was going to be sitting on a plane for seven hours overnight. And I was like, maybe that's not what I need. And I went to a hot yoga class instead and I left feeling great. And I went on the flight and I felt great. And I was like, you know, those little things for me are, are the one of the main reasons that XPT has changed my life. It's just changing that perception and, and doing things based on how I feel and what's going to be the best thing for my body and for my mind. So I do something every single day and that may be, I wake up and I have a normal work day where I have nothing physical that I do. But in that work day, I'm conscious of the way I breathe at certain points throughout the day. I'll be, I'll notice that my posture is slouching and that's affecting my breathing. So I'll fix my posture. I'll notice I've been sitting for an hour and 15 minutes working. So I'll get up and I'll do some movement with some breath work to just open my joints back up and just get out of this locked position I've been in. And those little things just those little that awareness of how you feel and where you, what you do, what you can do that makes you feel the best. Um, those things make a massive difference. And then in my normal training, I do that a lot based on feel. I I travel probably forty fifty percent of the, my time right now. So mm-hmm. I I'm somebody who likes to be on a training program and following something structured. But I realize with this travel schedule, it's impossible to actually do that. So I just do things based on feel. This week I'm I'm home for the week. So I went to the gym today and did a – yesterday I took the day off because I got back from traveling and caught up on work. Today I went to the gym and I did a little uh, strength training session with some pretty light weights just to get back in the swing of things after vacation. Tomorrow I'll go to the gym and I'll probably do some cardio and some swimming. And I've added a lot of swimming and pool stuff into my routine because the pool is an area that I am weak and I struggle uh, a lot. So it's an area – if I want to live the XPT lifestyle of making myself versatile and resilient, then I need to identify areas that, that are weak for me and stop ignoring those things and rationalizing that those are not important. Um, so that's what I've been doing. And then that's what I try to do every day. I'll, I'll try to do something and it might be a sauna session because I didn't get to the gym and I just want to get a sweat and do something good for my body. Um, so that's really what my routine looks like. I don't have anything set and structured. When I am home, I'll usually hit the gym almost every day. Uh, I'll hit the sauna and the ice bath at least once or a week, but a lot of times it's more like two or three days a week if I'm home for the whole week. Um, and then I'll jump into a yoga class or I'll go. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate I live in Southern California, so it's beautiful outside. I'll go out and 
just sit and do some breath work or meditate or go walk around in the park and just be outside. Um, so that's really what my routine looks like. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, okay, just looks versus performance or aesthetics versus performance on here. I mean, at XPT, I mean, look at Laird and Gabby. These are two physically striking, you know, striking people also. What about the people that are out there that are saying, okay, but I also, I just want to look better too. I want to look a little bit better. I definitely want to like to feel a little bit better, but I want to, I want to look a little bit better. Is that a component of, of what you do? I mean, you've talked about high performance and high achievers in this, but is that, is that a component also of, of XBT, a byproduct, if, if you will, that, hey, if you're living this lifestyle, you, you're going to look a little bit better also or a lot better. And does, that play into, does that play into what you do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think if you adopt the – one of the things that we – so I'll answer that question two ways. One, the way people look is important because the people – most people who go to the gym to work out, especially if they're starting a new workout, or they're just starting a, a practice of exercising, it's because of the way they look. So they want to change that. So for us, and for me, even as a coach, a trainer, um, before XCT, it's helping people connect with, like, if your only focus is losing 40 pounds, you're probably never going to get there. And you're probably never going to get to where you want to be because you're seeking this happiness is 40 pounds less, and then I'll be fit and healthy and all these things. So when we can start to shift that mindset into long-term health and the way you feel, it connects with those things. When you start fixing all of these things that are wrong, whether that's your stress, whether that's your sleep, whether that's your nutrition, whether that's your exercise, and, and it's usually whether it's your breathing, it's usually all of the above. Uh, when you just focus in one area, you'll struggle in that area. And you might get physically fit, you know, you might find something that you are addicted to. And, I, and I'll use the CrossFit, uh, the rise of CrossFit as that many, many people jumped into that because it connected with their need for competition and uh, training hard. And it was an awesome thing because it got a lot of people who didn't have any of that, who were just kind of spinning their wheels at the gym. It got them into fitness and got them into doing more functional movements and stuff. And I think it was amazing. And a lot of them after 10 years are like, shit, I can't do this anymore because it wasn't a sustainable long-term lifestyle that I was looking at. It was like doing a high impact sport three to six days a week. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it maybe changed my physical body, but then I threw my, I hurt my back and I gained that 30 pounds back because I didn't change my diet that well. So that's what we try to teach people is, is, it is a holistic approach, but it looking good is a byproduct of feeling good and doing things that are good for your body and your mind. And when you yep. connect those things together, I mean, if you go by Laird and Gabby's, if you go over to Laird's house and watch people train, there's 20 people at the pool. They don't all have eight packs and they're not all jacked out of their mind, uh, but they're all physically fit at some level. Uh, and they're all, um, None of them are there saying, should we do 20 more crunches because I'm trying to get an eight pack? You know, they, that's not the approach that we take to fitness or to health. Um, and I think that's why, you know, there are people who are able to do this for a really long time. And, and someone like Laird or Gabby is able to maintain the way that they look, even as they're, um, they're getting older because they've made that connection earlier on. And when they got to 54, 55 or where Laird is, he didn't say, oh, shit, I got to now refigure out how to live a healthy lifestyle because I beat my body up so bad that I just can't keep doing the things I've been doing anymore um, because it was just an evolution over the years of, of learning how to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. No, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I've said for a while, I don't feel that CrossFit is bad. I think there's a lot of, I guess, there's a lot of bad CrossFit being done out there. I think there's a lot of bad... For sure. Uh, other, lots of things being out being done, I think that also even athletes at a high level or anybody needs a bit of an off-season too, and we're heading towards uh, a greater appreciation of longevity and sustainability here, and being, what I always try to talk to people about is, you know, be the best 
that you're genetically predispositioned to, to be at also. I mean, some of us will have bigger arms or maybe better abs or whatever, but again, how do you feel and how do you look? Are you doing the best that you that you possibly can? Um and mixing and mixing it up because different ways of training will give you different will give you different results in all of those areas too. Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay, so you talked about we talked about Laird and, and Gabby a little bit by my name here, but you know, okay, it's the midlife male podcast, which also hopefully appeals to to midlife females that are out there, and they are probably the the quintessential midlife uh, midwife couple out there. Uh, if you would, you, you're around them a lot. You're around Laird all the time. What is he doing, okay, to, on a day-to-day basis, again, practicing what he preaches, living living that lifestyle? Um, what's, what's kind of a day in the life of Laird that you've observed? Yeah, um, I mean, Laird... I'd say the biggest different thing that Laird does is than a lot of people is the way he identifies with himself. You know, he doesn't make any decisions based on something I can't do because I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. And he identifies with the person that he is and he makes decisions on the way he eats, on the things that he doesn't eat, on the way he exercises and the things he does for his body, the things he does for his family, all based on the identity that he has. And I think that's something that's so powerful that I've witnessed and I've been around um, and, and, and tried to emulate and learn from him in, in that sense. Um, so, you know, Laird gets up every day before the sun rises. Usually he goes out and he's just solar gazing and then he'll start the, the day off by uh, doing something that's good for his mind. So he says he likes to, he makes coffee for the, the whole house. Whoever's around, he'll make coffee. He always starts his day off. There's a huge caffeine drinker. He loves his, you know, he's got his own coffee superfood line. and He makes like a quadruple shot of espresso uh, with a bunch of fats, and that's how he starts his morning off. And then he'll do something, he'll, he'll complete a task. So usually he'll empty the dishwasher or he'll clean up the kitchen or he'll do something to complete a task in the morning before everyone else gets up. And then he'll read something. Uh, and usually it's something that's, that's bringing value to his life. He doesn't read the newspaper. He reads a book or a research study or something that's adding value to him, uh, to his life. So he'll read something briefly uh, while he's drinking his coffee. And then at that point, usually the rest of the family starts to get up and uh, he'll start his morning training. Um, So when he's out here in Malibu, three days a week, that training consists of pool training. So they'll get out to the pool. They'll start turning on the saunas, setting up the the weights and getting things ready. And, and he has a group of 10 to 20 people that show up on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays to, to pool train. And uh, these groups will show up and some guys will get together and work out together. Some guys come in and do their own thing. It's almost like having a little gym there um, and just a group of people coming in and, and doing stuff. And then they'll usually after that do like some ice baths and sauna or just a sauna. Um, just kind of, de- again, depending on feel. And then, you know, Led says he likes to break his days up into into components. So he's got three blocks. And he's got the morning block, which is usually training. And then he's got an afternoon block, which he can do business or be with his family or do something fun. Uh, and then he's got a, a late afternoon, evening block where, again, he can use any of those things. So he'll prioritize his kind of three main tasks for the day. So that afternoon block might be spent surfing or he might go for a bike ride or he might go do something with his kids. Um, and then later in the day, he'll do something again. And he likes to do things. A lot of times he, what they used to do is go down to the beach where his, his friend used to live and they would do, uh, he'd go with his family and they might have dinner there and they would play a game, uh, cornhole or, or something that's not physically taxing, but can be also, you know, cognitively challenging. So, you know, a lot of, he, he lives a very physical lifestyle, a very, what you'd call active, um, but he's not training six hours a day. Um, he's just doing things that he enjoys. And one of the quotes that I love from Laird is, is that, you know, the, the goal of fitness is when training is fun and fun is training. So for him, it's like, if he wants to go ride a bike 10 miles, it's because he enjoys it and he wants that feeling. Um, 
and that's what he'll do throughout the day. Then he'll he'll have dinner. He'll come back. He usually eats a, a big meal at lunch and dinner. He doesn't really eat breakfast. He has a, his coffee with his fats and all this stuff in it. And then uh, he'll come back and he goes to bed pretty early. Uh, he'll spend time with his family after dinner and he goes to bed pretty early so that he can get up and, and continue to do that because he really prioritizes his sleep as something that's super important. Um, and the other days that he's not pool training is the same structure, but he starts those days off with some, uh, because Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are the more intense pool training days. Those are his high intensity days. The other days might be lower intensity, some aerobic work or some, some yoga. A lot of times it's just breath work for an hour. Um, usually always has some component of breath work in it. And, uh, that's really what his kind of days look like. They're just broken down into those, those segments. And, I think one of the other things that really amazes me about Laird is his curiosity. He's constantly tinkering things and thinking about things and just, he's just curious about how things work and what's possible. And what if we did this and what if we changed that? And it's, it's a, um, it's what keeps him driven to keep doing things. Um, and, you know, I've just been in being around him. I've noticed that he's just constantly, problem solving. You know, when he, when he's not training, he's all, all of a sudden he's in the backyard and he's chopping, he, he's with the chainsaw chopping down trees. And then he's climbing up because someone's drone got stuck in the tree at this, the Kauai farm we were at and Laird's climbing the tree, building a slingshot to get this thing out. He, you know, he's just constantly problem solving and doing things and using his body and his mind uh, in all these different ways. And I think that's what's allowed him to stay as physically fit as mentally uh, capable as he is and uh, allowed him to be so successful in just so many different pursuits. And accessible also. <laughs> and right. after, after all that, um, what's, what's super cool is that, again, he and Yabby and, and yourself are accessible and in bringing XBT life to so many people and continuing to spread it. Let's talk a little bit about about the experiences who goes what what type of person goes to an xbt experience and what what do they take away yeah the, the xbt experiences are so amazing and I, I always tell people if you have the ability to go even our our coaches who get certified and they've already learned all the information they're going to learn i tell them if, if you have the ability you have the resources to make it to one do it because it's they're amazing every single time, but the experience is, is really, it's designed to be two and a half days of getting plugged into the XPT lifestyle, Laird and Gabby's lifestyle. And that's, that's really how XPT was developed. It was all of these things that they were doing that were improving their health and performance and, and wellness and the way they, they lived their life. They started introducing it to their friends and they were all so amazed with it and just you know, so many people were attracted to it that they said, we got to start sharing this with other people. And that's when they started running these experiences. So the people who come out are, are such a broad spectrum. Um, I'd say the only similarities they have is most of them are seeking some sort of growth. Uh, a lot of them, uh, I'd probably say a third of the people there are in some crossroads in their life. Uh, they just went through a divorce. They just quit their job. They're, they're, they're just seeking, they've been spending 20 years in a certain industry and they're just kind of stuck. Um, so a lot of them are just seeking a catalyst for growth. I'd say another third of them are seeking just new ways to stay active and stay healthy because they, a lot of people who come are, are kind of type A go-getters, usually very successful in the business world. Uh, I'd say half of them are, are pretty physically fit and, and, and a, um, train hard, whether that's in the endurance, uh, you know, endurance racing or CrossFit or something, something relatively higher intensity that it's kind of competitive in nature um, because that's just the people who seem to be attracted to the extreme nature of things. Um, but a lot of them are, I'd say the average age is probably 45, uh, 45 to 50. And a, a lot of people are coming because they're like, I can't continue doing what I've been doing I can't keep grinding down my body and my mind in work and in training. And I'm looking for ways, you know, I'm looking at someone like Laird and Gabby who seem to be able to still live this high performance lifestyle, even as they get older and still 
for at least from what people see from the outside, have success in their multiple businesses, in their physical life, in their family life. Um, so that's what a lot of people I think are seeking. And then we yeah. have a few people who are just curious. Um, I mean, my 60 year old mom came to Kauai. Uh, we had a, a gentleman who brought his, his father who was, I think in his late sixties. Um, and they're just curious. They just want to see what it's all about and, and they're seeking some sort of growth. And really what we do is we, we put them through two and a half days of, of the XPT lifestyle from 8am to 9pm. They just spend time with a group of like-minded individuals uh, with our XPT team. And we, we introduce them to some pool training and ice baths and saunas and stand up paddle boarding and beach workouts. And, um, you know, a lot of it revolves around the physical space because that's what Larry and Gabby's life revolves around. But it's, it's about leaving there with, uh, hopefully leaving there with new ways of looking at health, fitness, performance, longevity, um, and having some big takeaways. And I'd say the biggest thing I think people leave with people come thinking like, I'm going to learn a new way to work out or a new way to do this. And I think they, uh, the people who really, really uh, leave having a phenomenal experience, leave there saying that, that it completely changed their life and completely changed the way they see the world and they view things. Um, and that's why I think people keep coming back and have these transformational experiences. But, but we also try to give them some really key simple takeaways, like simple things they can apply to their breathing and their nutrition and their physical fitness, you know, simple principles that apply, that we follow, that apply to any type of physical training that you do, but 80 to 90% of people completely miss the boat on, whether they're sure. fitness professionals or, or regular, you know, general population. Mm-hmm. So let's say, and, and they sound incredible and i've had honestly friends that have attended them i personally have not it's on my bucket list of things that i absolutely must must do but as a practitioner or follower uh admirer of of xpt let's also talk a little bit about what you could do on your own if you can't get a way to an experience or either with a certified XPT coach, and I'm certainly not saying go out on your own, do things unsupervised or, or, or uneducated, but um, at home, you know, how can you do contrast therapy or fire and ice or, or ice heat on your own? What are some things that people could do to do that? Yeah, the best stepping stones to get into that direction is first just accepting the the mindset of challenge, seeking challenge and growth, because once you do that, you can do things that we don't even necessarily do at XCT, but that are physically and mentally challenging for you and forcing you to grow and, and push yourself out of your comfort zone. And that's still the same as me sitting in a freezing cold ice bath or the same as Laird doing something under the pool. Um, and then what we tell people is, again, we, I give those simple breathing tips. If people can focus on slowing down their breath, if they can focus on breathing through the nose and they can focus on breathing into their belly, as much as possible. Anytime they think about it, go into those cues and develop that awareness. That's three huge steps down the breathing realm. In the movement realm, we tell people to focus on being as versatile and resilient as they can be. So if you're somebody who really enjoys endurance sports, if you're a runner and you love running and you run six, seven days a week, start to understand the physical spectrum where there's balance, stability, coordination. In the middle, there's endurance, uh, <clears throat> endurance, uh, flexibility, and then down at the other end, there's speed, power, strength. Understanding that physical spectrum, if you are only running down the endurance path, you are the opposite of versatile and resilient. And if you have a goal for being the best marathon runner in the world, you've got to spend 99% of your time in that space. But what you'll find out is the best marathon runner in the world, when he's finished being the best marathon runner in the world, is going to spend the rest of his life trying to reverse engineer all the other things he screwed up because he did not develop those other areas. Most people don't want to be the best marathon runner in the world. They just latch on to the thing they really like and that they're good at, and then they just excuse that as like, okay, well, for fitness, I run. So what we say is keep doing the things you enjoy, but also start 
adding in some other elements across that physical spectrum. So if you're a CrossFitter and you, you CrossFit all the time, add in a yoga class once or once a week, add in uh, a mobility session or a, a, a longer slow endurance session. Um, if you're someone, again, if you're, if you're a yogi, you probably need to add in some strength training or some power training because you're missing out on a lot of physical capabilities uh, that are going to allow you to become more versatile and resilient if you don't stay on these one track fitness pursuits. Uh, and then in the contrast side that, you know, we don't really recommend people getting into the pool to do any stuff we do without a professional, but you could certainly mm -hmm. get in the water. If the water is something that you're not comfortable with, you can get in and start swimming and learn. And that's what I did for myself. I just started listening to people, sort of watching YouTube videos and just go practice the way I swim and becoming more comfortable moving through the water. Uh, and I actually started enjoying it. I look forward to going swimming now and, and being in the water. Um, and then on the contrast side, you know, the recovery side, we use contrast therapy a lot for recovery, but also for the, the physical and mental health benefits. Um, and there's, there's just, there's so much that can come from just getting really hot and getting really cold. So getting really hot is relatively easy for people. If you work out a lot, you don't necessarily need to add that in. Uh, we say like getting in a sauna is great if you have the ability to do it and you're doing all these other things. But if you have two days a week to get into the gym and do something physical, go to the gym because you're going to get a lot of the benefits of heat from being in the gym the same benefits you get from sitting in a sauna for 30 minutes. Um, but you'll also get a whole bunch of other benefits from exercise. But the cold is something people don't really get exposed to. So a great way to start is to start with taking a cold shower. Uh, a lot of people you know, just never expose themselves to any type of cold. Or if you live somewhere cold, go outside for a walk in a T-shirt for five minutes, 10 minutes, depending on how cold it is. But just starting to change the way that you perceive the cold and habituating your body to it. And that will stimulate a whole bunch of physiological and psychological processes. Um, but it just starts with gradually dosing it. You don't have to have a 32 degree ice bath that you go in seven days a week. That would be like, you know, for someone who doesn't expose themselves to cold ever, that would be like taking a guy who hasn't worked out in 20 years and saying, I want you to go to the gym and work out for 90 minutes uh, and do high intensity exercise seven days a week that's really, really far from where he needs to be. For him, he, got a, he just needs to get up and go for a walk three days a week. And that's a, a huge step in the right direction. So for us, we say, get in a cold shower. Take your normal warm shower and then end it with 15 to 30 seconds of cold and just focus on slowing and controlling your breathing during that. And then gradually build that up to a minute of cold. Uh, or maybe once a week, you take an all-cold shower. Uh, and then if you don't have the resources, find somebody you know, find an XPT coach nearby where you can jump in a workshop where you can actually try a real ice bath um, or some of our pool training or something like that. But those are the, the simple steps to start introducing those things into your life. Um, but I think it's the biggest thing is the mindset it is going, you know, you could, you could do an ice bath three days a week and six months from now, never really get any of the, the big benefits from it because you could be going in and, aggressively fighting through the ice bath and like trying to, uh, okay, once I hit three minute mark, then I'm done. And that's really not the goal. But if you learn to go in and breathe and relax and be calm, that's where those things will transcend the ice bath into your work life, your family life, all these other things. And, and again, help you to live that high performance or extreme performance lifestyle. Yep. PJ, I, I love it. XPTlife.com find more information, breathe, move, recover. I cannot speak more highly of, of a program and the benefits that, I'm, that I've gotten out of it, uh, the way I feel, and what I've incorporated into my routine. And uh, I encourage everybody out there, check it out, learn more. There's so much amazing information on your website as well. Um, where it's column every month. Is it outside Men's Journal? Which which magazine is it in? I always got confused the two. He's got a monthly column also. Um, I think it's outside. Column? I think it's outside. Where it's tips, right? Oh, outside I magazine don't. It or, could be. Or, it could be. Or Men's Journal. Okay, look at that. Go to xptlife.com as well. 
pick up the new book out there. Um, and if you can get into this, any of the experiences, the retreats, the workshops, or just start following the protocol locally with some coaches, huge benefits, really, really, uh, really have seen some amazing changes personally and encourage everybody out there. PJ, thank you so much for all of your time and insight today on this. Awesome stuff, my man. Hey, thank you. And the one other thing I forgot to mention is um, and a very easy step for people. We, we have some programs on the website we give out for free, uh, our daily training, simple things to follow. But we're launching our app in like uh, the next couple weeks, and that'll have a whole bunch of breathing programs, movement programs, all kinds of stuff. And that, that was designed for, you know, somebody who's out in Minnesota who's nowhere near anybody from XPT and who just wants to start implementing this into their life. Um, to give them a lot of tools and resources to go ahead and, and start following that. So that'll be out really soon, too. Awesome. Check it all out. PJ Nessler, XTT Life on the Midlife Mail Podcast. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you. The Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheinman was presented by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit innsgroup.net.